Hey everybody, welcome to another glorious episode of Jeff Has Cool Friends. I am Jeff May, the Jeff in question, and I have cool friends, and I would like to introduce you to one right now. I am very, very, very excited to have uh, this person on. He is a fantastic writer and comedian and producer and creator and all-around amazing talent, Jordan Morris. Jordan, how you doing, bud? Hi, Jeff. I'm doing good. It's nice to talk I to am, you. I am so happy to have you on here. You want to know why? Why? You're one of the nicest people I know. Get out of town. That can't and be I have true. Cool, I have cool friends, but okay. I don't always have nice friends. <laughs> no, that's true. That is that is a distinction you have to make in comedy, isn't it? You're like, I am this person's friend. They're kind of a dick, um, but that's just how we operate. Yeah. So that's I, how I break through to friendships when people meet me, right. is I'm like, hi, I know I, what I look like, uh, but I'm actually kind of nice. Do you think you I'm, present as dick? Come on, a little. There's a, there's a, there's a, it's a it's there's fine. a, there's a jock energy. Yes. I think that's because you're, you're handsome. That's one. Stop. It. There's a, there's a handsomeness that can be intimidating. But yeah, sure. I can, I can see how there's a, there's a, there's I think, a jock I, energy I think that comes j- through. Jock vibes are uh, people from high school uh, that thought that sitcoms were real life, uh, and so they didn't, they don't believe that that people right. that were athletic had multitudes. But I would say that like you 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 could have a jock energy, but it very easily could be interpreted as cool ski instructor. I mean that's I mean it's not that I I'm I, you know like I I was an athlete in college okay uh, so like it, it tracks right but you know like I mean if you look look behind me you know for those of you who can't see it's <laughs> yes. just it's just walls of comic books and toys yeah uh that's the energy that i bring to life it just so happens that when people meet me they're like ah fuck that guy right um but now that being said when we first met this is a, we have a very very interesting um me, uh, you know meet cute kind okay. of thing you and i i don't know if i remember the first time we met you do because i'm going to tell you Let's and then you're like oh yeah oh, so uh, okay. a, a very good mutual friend and f- uh former guest of the former show tj chambers sent me a message saying hey me and my friend jordan are going to marvel trivia is that before the first end is that the game. first time we met it, is we've been huh. in each other's orbit, but we had never actually met officially I, until yeah, we got okay, our great. Yes, I do remember this. Go on, keep so telling he, the story. So, we, and he's like, "You guys, you know, you know, so much combined with me, you know, and we we are, I'd, I'd say, high caliber nerds. Sure, and yes. in the public sector, probably the most well known nerds that went to that thing, yes. to that event. It I'd was at, it we was were, at it was at the Barney's Beanery in Burbank, in Burbank at the Burbank which, Town Center. Sure was great little uh, bar and bar and bites." Type. A good place to go to get a wide variety of average food. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Do you want an okay sandwich or do you want some B minus buffalo wings? They have both. Exactly. It's it's all very average. And they you you're like do you want do you want your own TV while you eat? You don't have one at home, do you? Pig, eat. I think, eat at the TV. I think I think the Barney's Beanery. Which is kind of a many franchise. There's maybe three of them, four of it's them. It's a it's a local. There's there's one in there's one at the beach. There's one in Hollywood. There's one in Burbank. They cover all of the the worst places to live. Le- legend uh, legend has it that I think it is where John Taffer of Bar Rescue got his start. Do you ever watch a Bar Rescue? I'm aware of a Bar Rescue. It's a it's one of those shows that um, a cable channel just plays all day on Sunday. 
so it's kind of mm-hmm. like easy to have on in the background. Anyway, yeah. John Taffer is a uh, mean dad with one sport coat who will go into your bar and yell at you about what's wrong with it, and it's a very compelling show. He's like uh, business Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, right. He's like Gordon Ramsay with like a dash of a character who's important for two episodes on The Sopranos. I would like to I would like to add that um, there was an interesting thing in, in unscripted television that came about where they were like, what if people went to your job and were mean? Right. Yes. And you're like, you know what? I'm in. He's Give like, me nine of those shows. Dude, you're like... But you kind of deserve it. You kind of had it. Coming. Oh, sure. Maybe For not sure. like this, and maybe not on TV. But you, yeah. you, you kind of deserve this. You've yeah. earned a rude man coming into your place to tell you why you're a failure. Exactly. Yes. Everybody get. Everybody gets a mean stepdad. No. So we went to this. We went to this trivia, yeah. and we were we were excited. We were like, yeah, we were. We 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 had our little marble, and we got. And TJ, we should mention, is no slouch either. This guy knows no. his shit when it comes to popular geek franchises. The pop culture. I mean, yeah, he did. He had his his fantastic show, The Great Debate, on Sci Fi, and, and and you know, he, oh yeah, the dude did. puts on shows at Comic Con for God's sake. Yeah, well, we did. Our episode was a Comic Con preparation episode. Oh, okay. Um, so so cool. uh, it was. We called it the prep episode, where nice. we just we we released it right before Comic Con. It was just here. Here's. Here's what to look forward to from people that know more about this than you do. Yeah. Um, so it was like this like this geek triumvirate of dudes right. showing up like, yeah, we got this. Jordan, we got beat so badly that I will never forget it. <laughs> like we got our dicks pushed in the dirt so, so efficiently. Yeah. Like to the point where there was a team that had endgame hoodies. And we were all just like, I didn't even know those were out yet. Yeah, they were. They had costume. This was before Endgame came out, so this was. Uh, but they had on from the movie that hadn't come out yet. Like that's how serious. Like they saw yeah. a frame of trailer with these outfits in it, and then they made it themselves, and then came to this trivia. Yeah, that's when I kind of thought maybe we were gonna lose. We did, at best, third to last place. If I can recall, that's like that's, we, that's charitable. Yeah, I'll go with that. We were so because like there were no it was all like Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, sure. which I like I'm aware of. But I was like, are there not going to be any like Jack Kirby questions? Like, yeah, going <laughs> to be any like old school, like creative teams and stuff. Nope. It was all just like nothing about the legendary miniseries Craven's Last Hunt. Oh, I have that hardcover like right behind me. Oh, do you? Of course I do. That's of the, course I do. Yeah, that no, was, of course. Mike Zach did the art on that, I believe. I mean, that's a good, that's a good, a good piece. And J.M. DeMatteis, I believe, was the writer. Yeah, uh, uh, who famously pivoted to a more humorous tone for Justice League International. Uh, along with the uh, work, uh, what was I going to say? I'm, I just totally walked over myself. But that that tone that uh, was set by uh, was it not Busiek, uh Giffen and. Um, Giffen and DeMatteis, and yeah. then with uh, McGuire doing the art. Yeah, no, uh, those are such great books. I recently whew. eBayed a poster from that run that uh, you like got when you your comic shop ordered it or something like mm-hmm. that, and it has the Justice League International that lineup. So like you know, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle and uh, Black Canary. It's them all in like a high school graduation 
setting and they have a little sign that says class of 87 anyway uh it's in my trunk waiting to get framed very happy about yeah, that you're like it's in my trunk waiting to get stolen when somebody finds my car oh, uh, yeah. on the street. Th- there are yeah it was very funny low like it's one of those things where like you you never realize just how casual you are even when you're deep into things yeah then when you go to a nerd event in los angeles there's, Where it's just like everybody that got third place in the spelling bee across the country, we all came here. Right. And uh, I think it's just a, a good thing to always keep in mind is that, like, there's always a bigger nerd. There always is. Like, no matter how into something you are, there is someone who is more into it and thinks that you are a feel filthy casual. I, I, I mean, I live that life. I worked at a comic shop. And you can only imagine looking like a bully working at a comic book shop trying to help people and they'd be like how about right off were the customers afraid it was a trap i i feel like you know it's funny as much as i hate invoking stand-up material about that like i literally the vibe i have is undercover bully like i look like i look like i beat up a nerd took their clothes and just like decided to like sneak in so i could pick on people like hey fellow nerds who here likes to to Princess Leia. Yeah, be like, ooh, bet you wish you could touch Rogue, nerd. <laughs> and like, that's not, nobody. But yeah, man, I got, man, that was hard. It was a, it was an uphill battle being in this world. What was that like uh, for someone who's a lifelong comic reader? Was it, was it, do you look at it, do you look back on it like, oh, I, I love that time in my life? Was it disillusioning? Uh, yeah, how do you view your was, time in the comic it shop? It was both, man. I loved it, but my job was not easy. Yeah. Because as much as working at a comic shop seems like it would be easy, because you're like you, you're probably thinking like guy behind the counter talking comics with people and stuff like that. Right. That's I my was, job. I, my job is to hang out and talk comics. It's like, eh, so, no, there's like restocking. You have to do an inventory. Well, that was only my job because they hired me on as the back issue guy. I worked at a store called That's Entertainment in Worcester, Massachusetts. It's one of the biggest stores in the country. It's a destination. Still there? Yes. Yes. It will be there forever. Um, People drive hours and hours and hours to get to the store um, to like fill their, you know, their back issue things or whatever. So my job was to just, I had the Sisyphean task of... Going through like all the titles, seeing what was needed, and then going back to a room full of a million books and trying to refill them. It was an impossible task. Yeah, that's tough. And and, uh, and I, I would do that. And then, you know, people would be around and I would like offer to help them. And then it would just become this pain, you know, like this real like nightmare. And it was around uh, it. I finished up that job in early 2012. OK. Um, so it was right around the time where like everybody was buying whatever Deadpool book was out. Right. I was uh, that was going to be my next question is what was what was the hot at the time? The um, new 52. OK. Had just uh, come around. And the, the coolest thing about that gig, by the way, was we had a borrowing um, rule. OK. Where you could just borrow any books that you wanted. Cool. Sign them out, read them, and then just bring them back. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, so, they sh- that's nice that they wanted you to be informed and uh, you know to have opinions about something you wouldn't purchase. It was great, except, and here's the funny part: I didn't buy anything. So, like, any books that came out at that time that have any form of value oh, or like rereadability, yeah. I have to like go now and try to buy. Right. Oh, so, and and obviously you're a guy. You're a guy. You're a collector. You're a guy who likes to have it. You know, dude. I had to recently, um, because I moved, uh, you know, not to a little over a year ago. 
I had to, uh, I sold 10 long boxes of books. Oh, okay. And I still have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like I still have more than, more than like I should, I sure. think. I moved too recently and that was a good time to take inventory of like how much nerd am I toting around from apartment to apartment. And I am a little bit less a collector. I, I, I like having certain things and I like, I certainly like books. I like, you know, keeping the books that I love, but um, yeah, I've never really had the collector's gene. I was going to ask, I was going to ask if you were a collector of anything. Yeah, not really. Again, I like, you know, nerd. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like, uh, I like books. Um, uh, Yeah. Oh, Jeff is making the classic upside down. Okay. Sign glasses at me. Mike Dexter bully glasses at you. Yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, So no, I, 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 um, I like having stuff that's kind of meaningful, but um, yeah, I, I take a bag to Goodwill every couple months just to make sure the house is tidy. What have you held on to? Oh, let's see. Let's see. I have my Watchmen. I have my Watchmen that I got in high school from the like uh, your trade paperback yeah, Watchmen. Yeah. Like so. It's, no, it's God, all I don't have and... the original issues. How cool would that be? It's a very. That's a very doable collection to have. Is it? You can get them for like twenty bucks a piece. Sometimes oh, I bet. Um, yeah. I look... mean, that's that still would be like two hundred and forty dollars. But you know, I mean, if you if you really wanted them, they, they they're out there. Okay. That's yeah. That's no. That seems like a fun two forty. It would be fun to reread it like that and see like how it paces because I think that's one of those things where we all like. And I maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think most people read it as the trade. But it would be interesting to read the issues and see how it see how it's different to, to see how it yeah to to do like the the symmetrical what what issue was the symmetry issue three or five or something like that oh where it's yeah, like fully sure. symmetrical and to see it like in that world would be. I guess that would be good. But yeah, Watchmen's one that, you know, I usually would read that like once a year. I have all my old, like, I was in a sketch comedy group in college, and I have all my old posters from our shows that we did. Oh, great. Yeah, and I have, um, uh, and I have like a lot of early posters from, I do a chat podcast called Jordan Jesse Go, and I have like some of our tour posters that I've kept, and some stuff, some cool stuff that fans have made over the years. Um yeah, I have some like paintings of my cat that people have done and like um yeah, some like posters people have made based on like stuff from the show. So like that stuff is I think worth kind of toting around yeah. from apartment to apartment. Do you PO box or do you just be- give people your address? I just give people Oh, so the 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 like the fan art stuff that goes to the uh the, uh, our podcast is done via Maximum Fun, and people send it oh, to okay. that office usually. So no, I do not give out my my home address as much as I'm at that point in time where I'm too stupid to be like. Eh. So I'll just be. They'll be like, I want to send you this thing, but like I don't know how to get. The, do you have like a PO box? And I'm like, just send it here. What's your what, not to, what's like, your don't prize thing? Or my you, prize. You can have a you can have a you can have a top three if you want to. What are you like super stoked that you've always held on to? I have a lot of original artwork from comics. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I've thought very, about getting be, into that. I bet that's a fun, like, that's a fun I have, game. I have a lot of pieces of artwork from incredible artists that I really love that have passed. Oh, yeah? That, you know, to me, like, the things that would gut me if I lost would be, like, yeah. I have a sketch from Michael Turner, a sketch from Darwin Cook. Oh, cool. From, that's awesome. A, Sketch from Steve Dillon. Cool. Wow. Yeah, um, and these are, are all people that I I loved, loved, loved when they were with us. Yeah. And so to think about losing them would be, um, that would gut me pretty awesome. hard. But you know, it's funny when I got the job with a collectibles company, I really pulled away from being obsessed. And I think a lot of that had to do with 
I saw a lot of what um, some fans were doing, like their collections and stuff. And I was like, I can't imagine just the cost of upkeep. Yeah. For stuff like this. Like I've amassed things and people will send me things and I have like, you know, Masters of the Universe toys and yeah. You know, what I've actually done is I've started to rebuild like a collection of my childhood. But instead of trying to be like, I'm gonna collect all the G.I. Joe's, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna find one thing of my favorite G.I. Joe. Okay. And I'm gonna get it mint on card. I'll spend three hundred dollars on that one thing. Okay. That'll be in my collection forever. And then I won't bother trying to like chase a collection for the rest of my life. I like that. I like that. Do you have a G.I. Yeah. Joe thing in mind? There if the the one piece that I would uh that's like my favorite toy that I had growing up yeah. as G.I. Joe was Night Viper. Okay. Uh and it was a he was a a green and black you know, he was a cobra grunt. He was a, a supposed to die, but he okay. was like a like a night vision. He had like night vision goggles. He looked so cool. My brother that got all the cool. G.I. Joes and I got all the Cobra because I was the younger brother. So I had to be the villains. So you like so, so, but this to this day, you uh, your heart is with Cobra figures. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of times it's villains because of that. Okay. Oh, interesting. And my parents okay. were surprisingly aware of which were which with toys. Yeah. Interesting. Like my like a lot of parents would go in blind and they'd be like, I don't know, get him the guy with the gloves. Do you have a or what, do, you like have they a, do you have a destro? I had uh I had a silver and a gold destro. Cool. I had the, nice. I had an iron grenadier's destro and I had That's uh, like the coolest design, I think. I still think I'm like, yeah, that was such a great effective villain design. A dude with a metal face. Yes, yeah. like so that's, cool. It's and what what a you know and he never he was always like he looked formidable, but he never saw combat. Right. He he was just like he was like a snake in the grass. Yeah, kind of thing. right. Pardon kind of a pun. plotting. Sure. And what was cool about about Destro uh, was that he wasn't technically a part of Cobra. Was he, he not? Was I like, guess you're. No, I, I, this is more Destro lore than I know. He was Please, like their arms. Me. He was their like arms dealer. Oh, interesting. Like okay. he was like working with them, but he wasn't actually a part of the organization. That's an interesting dynamic. That that's, a, that's more complicated than than I knew. GI Joe got. Well, GI Joe was created by Larry Hama, um, who was actually uh, trying to make GI Joe was originally supposed to be like an Agents of Shield thing. Oh, interesting. I and Marvel that. rejected it. Okay. And then it sort of like came back that they needed to do something for this new toy line. And he was just like, I got something. Right. And oh, so Larry Hama was like the architect of G.I. Joe. Okay. So it does and have that Marvel-esque complicated kind of yeah. long when stretching you have a, continuity. When you have one of your better writers producing something of that high quality content, and then you just like it gives you a much deeper lore than say like mass what Masters of the Universe had, right? Where it's yeah. just like this is a guy. And yeah, he rides a, a tiger. And, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Here's Mechanic. So, uh, his uh, his neck's crazy. Dude, I, I mean, I loved Masters of the Universe. I still love Masters of the Universe. The company I work for now makes amazing statues for Masters of the Universe. Oh yeah. Like I'm, I live in this world and I love it. And I'm, but every time people are like. They get all like mad about like if if Master of the Universe was like cute or something, and they'd be like, oh, "That's not that's not my He Man." It's right. like these are commercials from <laughs> forty years ago. Yeah, I know, I know. I guess like you know, I kind of you know, you can kind of see you know people wanting there to be a certain 
Batman, although I don't think they should feel like that. But I kind of understand, like, okay, these people have a Batman that they like. But He-Man, yeah, that was just, isn't it some, they had some extra, like, action figure molds and they, you know, grafted a story on top of it? What it was is they just needed, they, Mattel wanted to make money in the action figure market. Gotcha. And so they had a guy make, like, a Conan, basically. Gotcha. And that was it. That was like the whole thing. I loved him too, and, I should say. But yeah. Well, I mean, I, I legitimately so so the character that I'm like uh that I'm obsessed like my character, my grail right. is a mint on card version of a character named Clawful. Okay. And Clawful is uh he's a lobster man. Right. Now, it's really stupid, aside from the fact that I'm from New England, so hey, it's a lobster, great. Um, on Easter morning, uh, my parents gave us Easter baskets. Now, my parents were really good at giving gifts. We were we were very not well off. Yeah. But we, but my parents like nailed holidays sure. and they gave us these dope Easter baskets. And one of them had Clawful and the other one had Tila, but they didn't label the baskets. And so my brother and I argued because we wanted Clawful. Because we didn't want the girl. Sure. Because we were boys. You get it. Yeah, I we understand. I, we I will little... say that I I prized my She-Ra. I had a She-Ra that uh, went everywhere with me for a while, but I definitely understand the I'm a boy, I want the boy toy. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I, know what you, we, I know what you mean. We were toxic kid. We were toxic masculine children. Right. So uh, so there was a Tila and then there was a cloth. You have them. You're holding uh, them up to I, the camera. I do. I have them and they're both complete. Yeah, I wish I could make this a video podcast. I'm just not good enough. But I have the Tila and I have the Clawful. So are these, these aren't the ones from the baskets. No, these are these have been reconnected. This one was sent to me by an amazing uh, friend and fan, Mike Stanton. Cool. Uh, and this is one that I uh, purchased myself, uh, I believe, at a flea market a while ago. Um, but so uh, we got into a fight, and my brother, uh, who was an absolute psychopath, took a pen and stabbed me. Whoa! Uh, right, like right around the back of my neck. So I got a little tattoo. So I got a little ink tattoo. It's still there. The, the the stab. It, the stab. I mean, it's probably been faded out enough. But right. it, I had a tattoo for a little while. Wow! He um, but, he so, bicked you. He 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 gave he you the did, bick. He, he did. He did. He did. He got me right through. And but that ended up giving me. Uh, I won by default. Yeah, I guess when by you get d- stabbed, by DQ. That, then you get to pick the action figure. Yeah, so I won by disqualification, and I got Clawful, and I've bled for that guy. Yeah. So now I have, I have like a bunch of like little like drawings of him and like art, and I have an animation cell. That's so cool. That's such a great. That's such a great like moderately traumatic childhood story. That's interesting. Yeah, because I was one. You know, obviously the the thing that jumps to mind when you're like, I like Clawful, is I'm like, I wonder why this guy has picked this deep bench D list character, and I that's a that's a great story. There, there. My favorites tend to be, and and not on purpose, but just for like how I've grown up, are like relatively esoteric characters, right? Because I've never like, if you were to be like, all right, well, what Batman figure do you want? Like, if, you know, if I'm telling you like these are the things I want, the one that I want is Bob the Goon. Okay, <laughs> I don't even Batman. think I know who Bob the Goon is. I know so a fair Batman, about DC, but uh, yeah, Bob, what, Bob what the got? Goon from Batman '89 mm-hmm. is the guy that was um, the Joker's assistant. Okay. And he, you remember him, right? Like he was the guy who looked kind of like old and ragged, and he was the he was Joker's like right hand man. It, you this... are my number one guy. That's kind of rings a bell. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. It's not like if you if you haven't seen the movie in a while, you might forget. But oh, he, he oh, was the, like, oh, the Tim Burton Batman. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's what, I didn't, no, no, I know, that's okay. You said Batman eighty nine. Yeah. 
There's a million Batman. There's a lot of I did not. Yeah. So he was. uh, Although I did give you the Jack Nicholson. I said that a few times. You did. That's your fault. It's fine. You would have failed Endgame Batman trivia on that one. Yeah, geez. Well, and I should drown my drown my sol- sorrows in these kind of cold mozzarella sticks. <laughs> these these C minus onion rings. Yeah. Uh, where the breading falls right off. Uh, but so Bob the Goon, they made an action figure of him, and they had like the bags under his eyes, and he came with just, just made knife, him look and haggard and, and divorced. His move, he looked like she, he looked divorced. That's ex- that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, he looked like, and that to me is so funny that he got an action figure. So that is great. I have. So oh, you know what? what I, I do want. have a couple action figures, and I'll tell you about the okay. one. I, you know what? Should I get it? You don't. You don't. You can tell me it. Uh, if you explain it to me, I can guarantee you I already know what the toy is. Okay, so, uh, and this actually was a great gift from my podcast co-host, Jesse Thorne, because he he heard me talk about it, and he, he eBayed it. The guy's good with eBay. Uh, so from the uh, first Raimi Spider-Man movie, there is Go a on. J. Jonah Jameson with, and I quote, desk-pounding action. Yes, That sure to me is, is the funniest thing in history it's so great i love jay jonah jameson i love the um oh god who's the actor's name that plays him jk simmons jk simmons Commis- the new commissioner gordon the new JK commissioner simmons. gordon and the new new uh, uh jay jonah jameson um yeah, it, yeah that's oh, like yeah, that's the great right, yeah. it's the greatest casting and that's the funniest thing you can have an action figure do get me pictures of spider-man yeah, yeah. so i funny. want pictures of spider-man yeah yeah it's a meme at this point you know like it it's that's how good it is um and so uh, that is a fantastic but that's again that like you could get a spider-man right sure you could get a doc ock i had i had a man let me tell i was like a a a toy collector i don't know if you know my stand-up show at the toy at blast from the past yeah uh in burbank was called mint Mint on car like that's how much of a toy sure idiot that i am so that you said that doc ock i had three of those mint on card oh yeah because i was convinced that i was like oh this the villains are worth a ton right so i had so many of those like like just i had just packages and packages and then when i moved out of my mom's house in my like early 20s my mom was just like all right well there you go take everything right and i was like but this is the house and then i'm moving to an apartment your mom's like, we are not gonna, we're not gonna garage your action figures for you. She took it personally. Wow. Like my mom took like me moving out personally, mm-hmm. even though like I was teaching in my hometown, like a mile from the house. Okay. And like kids knew where that was, and I was like, mom, I can't do this. I can't live near. I'm 22. <laughs> right. You know, I just picked up a, a real adult career job. Yeah, you got health insurance. Yeah, and kids are move. Or kids are stopping by. I gotta get the hell out of here. Right. Um, but, um. So you have a J. Jonah Jameson. I have what a J. Are the Jonah other- Jameson, and I think the thing that when I when I have you know little 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 fantasies about living in a a, a non apartment, um, and I think about collections I might like to pursue. Um, I am maybe a bigger video game guy than I am a comics guy. Oh hell yeah! And. Uh, I, I I sometimes think it might be fun to like just buy every defunct video game system. You know, get a, get a Jaguar, get 3DO. a yes, a Jaguar, a 3DO, a Turbo Graphics 16. I love you know. Um, I mean, obviously, an Intellivision, I think, huh? Intellivi- an Intellivision, yeah, a Virtual Boy, maybe. 
Oof, that one's pricey. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I bet any Nintendo ephemera uh, is pricey because of the intensity of Nintendo fanboys. Yeah, there there are there are spots there are are spots where things are more pricey, and then spots where you can get things for a song. Yeah, a GameCube you can get pretty cheap. Yeah, I th- like, <laughs> yes, I think I did know. actually get a Craigslist GameCube at some point. Although we went through N64s because we were a video game, we sold video games as well at, right. our, at our store. We could not hold on to N64s. Man, those people are like, were buying them. They were, and this is 2011, yeah. 2012. They could not stop buying those things. I mean, the N64 just like such a such a party box. You know, it had the four controller four, imports. Yeah. It had like. The three most easy to pick up and play party games: GoldenEye, Mario oh. Kart, Smash, and like, yeah, Mario Party. yeah, you can just stick that thing some... into a dorm with three games, and you're set for life. You know, that's what we did, man. Yeah, we played we played uh, GoldenEye and Blitz, Blitz, and Mario yeah. Kart. We played NFL yeah. Blitz because there wasn't there wasn't a good NBA Jam, right? Because we want. We, um, so, what are your favorite video games of all time? Uh, I'm a big Street Fighter guy. I Ooh, definitely yeah. like. I will buy any iteration of Street Fighter. I will rebuy those games every time they do an HD upgrade of you know Street Fighter Three Third Strike. Street Fighter. Uh, I'm intense about it. You, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I do love. Uh, who are your? What are your characters? Who do you? Who do you play with? Uh, well, my main is Blanca. If Blanca is in a game, he's my main. My backup is usually Chun Li, although that switches sometimes. Sometimes Chun Li is my main, uh, d- depending on which you know Street Fighter sequel we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but I love Remy. I love Armika. Um, yeah, I think of the you know uh, Shoto characters. Sakura is always fun. It's always great to see Sakura in a game. Uh, are, so, yeah. Now, do you do you connect to all the Capcom fighting oove? Like, are you a, are you a Marvel versus Capcom and X Men yeah. versus Street Fighter? And I stuff love like those that? games. Those games are very fun. They're not like they don't they don't they don't hit me in the same <laughs> you know G spot as the uh, mainline <laughs> Street Fighter franchise, but I like them a lot. Yeah, they're really I'm a fun. big Marvel versus Capcom two fan. Yeah, it's the it's the best of that franchise. It's still like it's still the one they play in competition. Like they're still like yeah big money I'd, prize competitions for MVC two. It is it is fun. I remember a friend telling me that like in board game competitions like Loop and Louie was the thing that like like it was this super popular game. Was I don't, I've game never where, even heard of Loop and so Louie. So Loop and Louie was this thing. It was like um. You had to protect the chickens on your barn. Okay, and so it was like a motorized. It was a motorized spinning, uh, kind of like an arm on a pivot. On a pivot, and at right. the end of it, there was a like a guy that looked like the Red Baron, like a crazy uh, right. Louis. His was his name in a little plane. Okay, and you had to like tap down to like knock him over your stuff, and if you hit it too hard, it would like kind of like spin and just come down. So you had to learn how to like tap with the right level of efficiency and timing to get it to just go past your chickens That's so and take funny. out your enemy's chickens. And so like board game people are like, this is the pinnacle of board games. A lot of people are like, that was like a thing that they were like really into. That's awesome. So sort of like the Marvel versus Capcom 2 of that. Yeah, loved- exactly. Like that game, you know, like there are better looking games. It uses all those old sprites. So like, you know, and it's... it's Not I, mad about it though. No, it's got so much character. The crazy jazz fusion music. Yeah, it, it's it's it, that game has like character to spare. 
I would do um my my team was always and I did this on purpose, but it was Juggernaut and Servbot. Oh, nice. So, That's fun. So for those of you at home, Juggernaut is the biggest character. He right. takes up almost the entirety of the screen. Uh, of one, and he's like a very powerful guy. He's not particularly smooth, but he's very strong. And Servbot is a tiny like Lego guy, and right. he's tiny, like he's the smallest thing. And I just loved having that dichotomy in my team of the most massive and tiniest. Uh, it's I'm, like a, a, a real freak the mighty situation yeah. going on in my on my choice. Uh, I'm Cap and Venom. That's my that's my two Ooh, for that's... NBC. But I'm not a I'm I don't I'm not a super high level mvc2 player but uh, you don't have to be you can play games for fun that's uh, no i can't i have to be good and i have to you know yeah it, it, there, right. there did there did become like a thing where like games stopped being fun for right. people yeah and they became like a career and i'm like oh that's now it's not a game no you're right you're There's absolutely a, right we should we should give ourselves you know and yeah and i think i think if you're you know if you're a fella in his 30s and you log on to play online you will be reminded time and time again just how bad you are compared to a 16-year-old who does this all day. Yeah, there, there's something where, like, I've kind of, like, I still love, like, retro games, and I love, like, playing old, like, NES games yeah. and Super Nintendo and stuff like that. But sometimes, like, when new games come out, and I'll, I'll like, I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then eventually I'm just like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Like, I just kind of, like, like, there are some games that I've, st- like, Left for Dead 2 is oh, a game yeah. that, that came out for the fun. Xbox. And I was obsessed with it. And me and my friend would play. He was in New Hampshire. I was in Massachusetts. We didn't get to see each other all the time. And we would hang out and play video games together online. Like that, to me, was yeah. like perfect. But like logging on to play strangers in a game now, I'm always just like, I don't know, man. I got a lot to do. Yeah, not my thing. It's, uh, yeah, that is a that is a, uh, a little corner of gaming that uh, that I never figured out but uh yeah Yeah. for me it's like a solid it's almost meditative you know i've uh yeah i've i don't know if you know about the uh do you know about the dark souls franchise i'm aware of it i'm aware of it i believe i had dark souls three oh nice yeah that's great that's 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 maybe the best one yeah that's considered the pinnacle and also like the one of the hardest games on the planet right yeah they're like hyper hard fantasy rpgs and um that's yeah, awful. and I and I've heard I, <laughs> smarter people have have talked about this than me, but they you do get into a meditative state when you play it, and uh, you know you you kind of like you you're at a certain point your brain shuts down and it's just kind of muscle memory and you're just kind of like feeling your way through it, and I think for uh, someone uh, and maybe you experience this too, but someone who has a little bit of an overactive brain um, like I do. Um, and you know, that brain overaction can lead to a little anxiety. It can lead to a lot of worrying, um, doing something where you can Zen out like that, I think is really, really healthy. And I, I, I kind of realize why I like games. It's that like, oh, this is a, like, this is kind of a time to meditate. You know, it's time to just kind of like, let your, let your brain move your fingers and do nothing else. And, um, yeah. And I think when you're playing online and, you know, a 16-year-old is yelling a slur at you, it 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 takes you out of that zen state a little bit, or it does for yeah, me the, anyway. The singularity of thought is kind of nice in that regard. I, you know, I will say this. Uh, one of my, in one of my previous relationships, um, my ex and I, we would uh, play local co-op. Okay. 
And we so we would only find games that had local co-op. Right. And they were really fun. But they were so rare. Yeah, totally. They don't you, make a ton it, of those anymore. It was so rare to find a game that we could play together. So we would be playing like Twisted Metal Black. Yeah. To get for like a while. And we would <laughs> just like work together. And it was really fun. And it's actually something like, you know, in, in old relationships, you know, a lot of times like, well, I don't miss that or something like that. Right. But that's one thing where I'm just like, man, that was really nice. Yeah, you missed the, you, yeah, sure. I wonder what, I was like, I wonder what Sweet Tooth is up to. Yeah, playing playing like Star Wars Battlefront and and only on one mode over and over again right. to kick the shit out of stormtroopers and stuff, and you're like, oh, this is actually good. That's kind of beautiful. It's kind of a and it's and it was like no competition. Right. It was just a team working together for a goal. Love it. Not mad. I wasn't mad about it. Uh, but that was always like that's that's what I liked about gaming. But I still have. Oh, I also love Mario Golf for the Game Boy Color. Oh, nice. Okay, there's some fun I games have, for the Game Boy Color. I have my Game Boy Color cool. in my late 90s jewel tone see-through purple Game Boy Color. Oof, nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah Those can, are worth money too. I bet they are. Yeah. I mean Nintendo shit. I think if you if you if your Nintendo shit is is in good in good quality then uh yeah, it probably is worth a lot. Yeah. Like I saw them going on eBay for like 60-80 bucks and I was like, "Oh, I thought that would be like 15." In my yeah, in my fantasy where I'm collecting these defunct video game consoles, uh, those portable ones are definitely high on the list. I'd love a Game Gear. I'd love an Atari Lynx. Yeah, Sega Nomad. Sega so Nomad. Play, yeah, so you can play Genesis fun. games for 45 minutes before the battery runs out forever. <laughs> right. Well, it only takes nine D batteries. <laughs> yeah, those things, man. It's crazy. I don't think kids will understand what it was like to not have lithium ion batteries in our right. Sh- yeah. Like, like when you'd be like, no, 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 like you don't understand. Like a Game Boy was the size of an actual brick uh, and it weighed seven pounds and you could play Tetris and it looked like it was in creamed spinach. Yeah, exactly. That was our official color. And playing it for two hours would cost you or your parents $19. Yeah. Because that's how many giant batteries it took. And you got motion sick. Mm Mm-hmm. That was how we became became, um, uh, a rechargeable battery household. Oh, nice. Okay, it's because you had to power of, all the uh, portable game so many, systems. So many AA batteries were eating just like, God damn it. Yeah. All right, well, time to get another one. Yeah, uh, this was This started out, I was going to, this was supposed to be all about you, and then we just kind of went uh, down. Uh, you are a really, really interesting person, um, which, is, which is a fun sentence to say to anybody because <laughs> people don't know how to interpret it, but you've done some really cool stuff, um, including like, uh, you know, you were a a writer and stuff on, um, at midnight. You also competed on the show, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really fun. Um, you were a a consulting producer on good mythical morning. Yes, sure. Uh, you were a writer on, uh, I want to say trolls topia and as well as earth to Ned, the fantastic, um, Henson Disney, uh, interview like it's like a late night show um performed uh wonderfully by an amazing group of people including a friend of the pod morgana ignis oh nice Uh, yeah morgana's great it was so fun to meet her and work with her that was uh yeah definitely like and i think uh yeah she is a a person after our own hearts in that i don't think i know anyone who loves x-men more yeah, her cosplay. If you if you guys uh, if you check out Morgana Ignis on on Instagram uh, and everything, she has cosplay of like magic, 
uh, from the New Mutants that is yeah. just, just utterly fantastic, unbelievable. She's super talented. Um, I've known her from, you know, her work on, you know, Stand Against Evil, but also she worked with Sideshow. Um, and so, like, all these worlds kind of merging together. So when Earth to Ned came out, I really started enjoying it because of her. Yeah. And, that, and then it was like an after fact after I met you. And I, got, I was like, oh, shit, Jordan's writer on this. Yeah. It's so good. No, it's she, so she was fun. one of the puppeteers. Earth to Ned, uh, if you have not seen it, it is on the Disney Plus uh, video app. It is uh, from the Jim Henson Company. It is a uh, Ned. The titular Ned is a giant alien puppet. Um uh, worked by six people, uh, one of them, uh, one of them Morgana, uh, voiced by Paul Rudd, um, kind of the famous, um, uh, famous... Who is that? Oh, so he is, uh, let's see. Oh, do you remember Freakazoid? I do remember. I loved Freakazoid. He was yeah. Freakazoid. He was... That's... Okay. Because yeah. I've heard the name, but I haven't really connected... So yeah, so the uh, so it's a little bit space ghost coast to coasty in that um, you know there's this ship of aliens and they get a celebrity, a real life celebrity in their tractor beam. They pull them on the ship and just do the weirdest, uh, most uh, hilariously uncomfortable interviews you've ever seen. Uh, just a goddamn dream to work on, and I think they turned out so good. Um, yeah, maybe our mutual friend Eliza Skinner was the head writer. And, Perfect. Uh, you know, yeah. just one of the, the, the funniest people who's ever lived. Uh, yeah, great writing staff on that. Uh, Sierra Cato, um, uh, Nick Weiger. Oh, she's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. A lot of great, uh, lot of great folks worked on that. And, uh, yeah, and they just, they really came out just weird and funny and sweet. And, uh, yeah, just a dream. I, I usually don't, and, and I'm, I'm sure you'll back me up on this. I think sometimes looking at your own work, uh, you know, is not always that fun. You critique it too much. You wish you could have done things <laughs> sure differently. Do. Um, but just, I don't know what it is. I just love watching it. I just love watching it. Um, yeah, I think it turned out so good. It's, it's the rare creative product that I've been involved with where it's just like a pleasure to put into my face. It's uh, it was a pleasure to receive into my face. So I'm really glad um, I'm really glad that that you are connected to that because, you know, there are whether things are hits or misses, you know, you don't necessarily get to control that. Of course. Um, And I've seen some I've seen things that I really enjoyed that it seemed like the 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 population did not. Yeah. Um, And I'm like, why didn't you like I remember when the Muppets had that show on ABC Oh that yeah, was kind of sure. like a late night, like The Office, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. I loved that show, and I thought it was so perfectly written. I went and back. Then, I went back and watched a couple of those because they stuck them all on Disney Plus, and I'm like, "This is funny. Why did Why did we snark this show into the ground? It was good." You know what it is, and mm-hmm. this is something that I think is one of the biggest inconsistencies in fandom. Right, is that somewhere along the lines, people thought that the Muppets were a children's show. And people seem to forget that the Muppet Show, like the 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 Muppet Show, was an was a, a an adult variety show, right? In the seventies. Yeah, totally. I know. I know. I think. I think. You know, Henson stuff has always kind of you know walked that tightrope really well of being for kids and adults. Yeah. And yeah, you know, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that yeah, people like didn't like the ways in which that show tried to be for grown-ups and 
I don't think every choice was a home run, but I think that like the Muppet spirit is there. It is very funny. Um, it also yeah. evolved the characters, but kept them true to their core. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, I, a, it's a blast. Yeah, if people if people are looking for something to to pull up on the old Disney Plus once uh, yeah. Falcon and the Winter it, Soldier is over, uh, check it out. That 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 show has, has aged really well. I think. I think it's it's definitely worth because it's only like you know like. 12 or something episodes total yeah it was like a, it was like a short not a lot canceled you can quick. get through it in 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 a day yeah and i th- i think it's worth it yeah it's really it's, I, I really it's really it. really funny and uh and and it was fun i think it took the trope really well because that's a cool thing to see well cool thing but interesting like when you see how like every show became a version of the office for a while right yeah and you know, and, and which ones worked like Modern Family working, and whereas like the Muppets did not, right? Um, for for general fandom, and I, I am enjoying. I've never not enjoyed a Space Ghost. Yeah, like a version of because you know, obviously, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, um, Space Ghost being an old Hanna Barbera cartoon uh, from the nineteen sixties. And when uh, Hanna Barbera was uh, bought by uh, Ted, uh, billionaire Ted, sure, uh, old Teddy for, T, old uh, Atlanta Braves himself, you know. Uh, so what happened was uh, they they kind of forced those characters to be used, uh, and then for a Cartoon Network, and they started creating adult comedy with that, and you had this very very weird and surreal interview show, and so to see it sort of being evolved over the course of time, and I know. Uh, one that I've also been enjoying on the YouTube was, uh, I believe it's called Hanging with Dr. Z. Yeah, Dana Gould. Uh, Dana Gould, Dana, one of the world's funniest uh, for- men. Former guest of the show, uh, nice, of great. the other show, Dana yep. Gould, a great talent, did, did uh, release these things. It's so funny. It's great. So good. It's such a it's such a product of somebody whose brain is really good at remembering the 70s. Totally, yeah. Uh, Nobody is better at remembering the 70s than Dana Gould. I, I can listen to that man remember the 70s all day. You know what? Uh, I, I hate, because it's not a show about Dana, but one of the great things about Dana is that is a man who will always delight in comedy right. of other people, and he will always enjoy it, and he genuinely laughs when he thinks anything is even remotely funny. Yeah. And when you're surrounded by comedians for a majority of your days and everyone's either like, huh, or like, oh, that's pretty good. Right. That's a good joke. To see somebody genuinely have guttural reactions yeah. to humor, it's very refreshing. I think when someone is that funny, and also someone I'll put in this category is Blaine Kapatch. Um, yeah. When someone is that funny, the competitive element of being a comedian goes away. It's like they are like, I am top-tier funny, so I can go ahead and laugh at something someone else says because it doesn't make me feel bad about myself, you know? And I don't know if that's where it's coming from. I've just kind of, like, detected it in those guys and some others. Like, when you are funny at that level, it you feel less competitive, I think. You know who I always appreciated um, whenever I would perform at the comedy store? Bill Burr. Okay. Yeah, Bill, Bill Burr. Burr sure. What, if you if you were on a show with Bill Burr, he would pay attention to your set. Cool. Yeah. And you knew he wasn't a poacher. Yeah. Where like sometimes you would see people, you know, like the the classic Robin Williams thing, where people would be like, "If Robin's there, don't do your best stuff because he'll take it, whether yeah. on purpose or by accident." 
You know? Yeah. It happens. And, uh, and God, speaking of Earth to Ned, that was really my experience working under Eliza Skinner. Like, she was the head writer of that show. And a lot mm-hmm. of times you can work with a head writer and, you know, you feel like their insecurities cause them to rewrite by default. Like, their default is, okay, how can I rewrite this? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because they need to have their stamp on it or something. But I think that, you know... Eliza is so funny that there is that spirit of why don't we all be funny together? And that, that show, when I watch it, it feels like such a like group effort, you know, in a, in a wonderful way. Yeah. The, the, the lack of ego among people yeah. of, at a certain level, I sure. think is, is it's in a way it's, it's sort of antithetical to what you would expect yeah. to somebody at that level. Um, and there are certainly, you know, I've met people who have written on very famous and big shows, and they're like, "Yeah, man, I was a writer on the show, but it didn't matter." Yeah, because like the showrunner would just go take naps. We'd give him a script, and he'd read it, and then throw it out and write his own script. Of course, yeah, that's that is that is uh, a a shitty thing that happens in the business. And yeah, and I think that happens because those people are C minus talented. I think it's C minus talents who are insecure. And, you know, just like need to, they need to drive because they don't feel like, you know, they, they feel like it's the only way they'll be valuable. Or they're, I, I, you know, okay, here's something, here's something, this is going to be very inside comedy, but I think, uh, I think that this actually works is, um, this is going to be a very personal question. Do you have a good relationship with your parents? I have a great yeah sure uh, I have a great relationship with my mom who is a uh, a uh, one of the world's most caring and lovely people uh, and my dad took off when he and my mom got divorced and I don't talk to him anymore okay yeah mom very supportive mom right? yes mom is a lovely okay. a lovely person um improv okay. which you have a background in yes. I always used to say improv is comedy for people who had supportive parents. Because <laughs> okay, I like that thesis. Give, Let's because, uh, yeah, unpack this for me. We'll unpack it. You're comfortable trusting other people, right? Like you trust other people because you have been given that support by other people. Okay, that's Where interesting. Where stand up comedy, that. in stand up, you're like, I got to do this myself because right. it's how I live. Like I, I don't, I don't trust you to not this up. Sure, and it's not fair. To have like it's 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 an it's a mental it's a problem yeah to have that mentality but I do see that a lot in not just C minus talent sure. but in A level talent and you you hear these about like control freak showrunners right who are very talented but they're like they don't necessarily trust the people below them yeah. to be as talented as them for whatever reasons they may have had smoke blown up their asses for you know decades and stuff like that. You know, oh, I have the biggest show in, on TV, sure. you know, so like why, what makes, what are you going to say to my show that I made? Right. And it's not, it's not a healthy feeling, <laughs> you know, but like I definitely, like I've tried improv and for me, I'm, it's hard to let go. Yeah. It, it, you know, whereas yeah. in stand up, I'm in control the whole time. I understand that, and I—I I don't know. There's—I would like to stick up for improv more, but there's so much fucking bad improv, and it does feel like I'm—I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and, and dunk on it a little bit now, even though I do—I I do think I got I'll, a lot out of being imp- an improviser. I dunk on stand-up comedy all the time. Okay, yes. Well, like, don't, don't worry about it. Like I'll an dunk. art form is not untouchable. 
I think it it uh, it just feels so much like you're doing it for other improvisers and an improv scene that gets a laugh is funny because you know it gets the laugh because everyone in the audience has taken the classes and they know the tenets of improv and they're like this guy's doing a second beat he's doing a second beat and you know i i do feel like you know uh for improv to break out to a non-improv audience um is so rare. That's why there's like no improv TV shows, you know, whose line is it anyways? And yeah. the, the, uh, you know, Ben Schwartz special SNL. on Netflix. And that's kind of yeah. it. Um, I remember there was a, a, a weird SNL sketch that came about. That was an improv sketch that made it to air. Yeah. Which was the, it was the one where Will Ferrell lost, uh, Chris, uh, Parnell and Molly Shannon's kid. Uh huh. He was a doctor that lost their kid. Yeah. And it was like this whole improv thing that they like submitted to Lorne and he approved it. Oh, interesting. Because they like, they just did the bit and he's like, that's good. Let's write this as a sketch. Yeah. I think it is a good way to write. It's a good way to generate ideas. Yeah. It's a good way to like kind of group mind a comedy idea. But as far as just like going to see a show on a Tuesday night, uh, I don't know. I would rather see stand up. There's like, oftentimes I would say with improv, there's. There's always like every city has like one really good team sure. on Saturday yeah. nights that people will go to. And yeah, they'll be like, "Well, That's we had fair. a blast. We had a we had an absolute blast." Yeah. And then sometimes you have to go to the do stand up at the theater where that improv show is, and they always go like thirty minutes long. Right. Yeah. And then they're like, "Oh, sorry, we were just in the zone. We were just riffing." Yeah. <laughs> and it's like no cool because it's eleven o'clock and half of our crowd left because of you. But right. that's cool. Sure. No, 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 no. As long as you guys had fun in your little white shirts. <laughs> I was gonna say baseball shirts. I was about to say baseball shirts. Yeah. White shirts and black ties. Yeah. You can find out. Which sure. You, you, if you're inside the LA comedy scene, baseball, you, you know what group I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm sure oh, they're very talented. They always anyway. had very populated, mm-hmm. uh, all very popular shows. But uh, man, they were they were like a bullet to the brain of of stand up. That's funny. They were like, "Good luck having your show." We riled everybody up, and they're not leaving. They're just talking here. <laughs> oh, and it's uh... stand up. Yeah, do you? Are you? Are you? What are you? Uh, are you making any plans? I think we're recording this in April of 2021, this, where yeah, normalcy yeah, is, is on the horizon. Hopefully, it's on the horizon. But here's the thing: I'm yeah. vaccinated. Cool. I could easily do stand up. Yeah. I could easily start going on tour. I could easily go to the areas that are doing shows regularly. Like, inside. like where? Where are where are the inside? I could shows? go to like. I could go to. I don't know, like Missouri or, or, or Michigan or where, you know, okay. where places are, yeah. or, or like Alabama where, where they're, they're a little house. bit more, yeah, where they're more laxed and they're like indoor shows and they start lying about all the precautions they're taking. Yeah. Um, it's just that I don't want to, I don't want my fans or somebody that wants to, to see me perform. Uh, I don't want to inspire that person to put themselves at risk to see me. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good policy. I support you on it's, that. It's not that I think like, it's not that as soon as I got vaccinated, I'm not going to start booking shows. Right. Because I think it's, I still think it's a little irresponsible. Sure. Maybe outdoor shows. Yeah. But also it's April and I don't feel like doing like a show where I'm like, it's, there's a chance it could snow. Sure. <laughs> yeah. On our outdoor show. I just, I, I know I'm going to have to get back to it eventually. Yeah. 
I'm also really busy. I have five jobs right now. That's a lot of jobs. It is. I picked up a lot. Well, you know, you, you lose one. Sure. That's like the, your main job. And then you're like, well, now I have to do a bunch of Right. Um, now I have to do a bunch of different jobs. I bet I, mean, I, bet, I bet I'll be I bet I will be able to come see you do stand up somewhere in LA in July or August. They the the people at Blast in the Past are like, when can we do the show? Oh cool. Okay. They they're like they're all about it. Great. Uh but they also uh they got they got COVID. Like they Jeez. they they, had, they got it in like December and they and but I'm like I I, I don't feel co- until we can guarantee the safety of people, like yeah. guarantee sure. the safety, not like it's fine. It probably won't, like, and you like, won't I, die because you're no old people can come. I I understand the idea of like we 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 can't cancel life forever. Sure, I get it. I understand, and I don't necessarily, I don't judge people for doing outdoor shows. Yeah, I have a little bit of a thing on the indoor shows, but it's fine. Uh but I just don't feel comfortable putting people at risk. Yeah, you know, go 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 at go at your own pace. I'm hoping end of summer we can start the show back up. That'd be awesome. That's because awesome. I actually recently did talk about it with my co-producer uh, Lisa Harden. I can't wait uh, to see comedy again. I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I definitely had a point where I was like, I think when you first moved to L.A., you know, or at least I did. I went a little comedy crazy and just wanted to see it and do it every night. Um, yeah, and maybe got a little burnt out on live shows. But I'm just like raring to go. The I, I was a real um, I was obsessed with um, going to Nerd Melt. Oh yeah, because sure. the show because every show was unique. It wasn't just stand up. It right. was like stand up with a twist. I'm I'll miss that place. Yeah, Nerd Melt at uh, yeah. the old Meltdown Comics that just got demolished. Yeah, yeah um, man, that's a bummer. a bummer. I I'm I'm sad that place is gone. I brought up my uh, co-producer Lisa Harden, uh, and so while I have this, uh, Jordan, I'm going to talk about our fantastic producers that we have uh, from the Patreon. Those that are at the $10 tier at patreon.com slash Jeff May have me say their name or whatever silly <laughs> want me to say uh, on there. So I'm going to say some names, and Jordan, you can react however you want to them. Great. About that? No, I will. I'll, and, I'll give you and, some good reactions. I'll give you some, I'll I'll give you s- some options. And I'll start at the $10 tier, my co-producer of Mint on Card and a producer of this show, Lisa Harden, who is a gosh darn delight. Uh, up next, hi, I'm Super Fudge, and welcome to Fudgemania. Oh! Uh, the amazing Jessica Robertson. Uh, how about craft beers make my alcohol- alcoholism look like a neat hobby? Uh. Adrienne, Willie Dustis, at Bob uh, underscore of underscore Skull. On Instagram, Wee-oo. that's a good plug. I'm reacting. That's a valuable. By the way. These that are is reactions a, that I'm doing. They're ki- they're killer. That's a good uh, plug. By the way, it's just be like, just give me my Instagram. It's like you're buying followers. Sure. Um, Cronenberger, Jez Butt, uh, yum yum, Stephen Parks. Wow. Because uh, this episode goes up on 420. Nice. You see, because his name's Stephen, but he said Stephen. Ah, I like it. I like it. Uh, um, Jennifer Fendelander, Sophia Hapgood, Funky J, Foshizless Jones. Please plug my very cool and good artist friend at my Altaria on the Twitter. Thank you. You're the best. That's a good name. At Gavin underscore not with two T's. Proto clown capable of withstanding both shoes. It's a good tick reference every time. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Best cartoon of the 90s. I stand by it. Yeah, the evil midnight bomber. What bombs at midnight? Yeah, baby. (laughs) 
Uh, Gray Man of the Fireside, the Ian McClendon. Chewbacca Flock of Flame, Cody Beck, Billy Beck, Ricky Cilantro, El Seldo, Dr. DNA, Silius Ruby, at Nerd Numbers, Kool-Aid Molotov, Exploding Runes, The Ghost of Dave Thomas, Stephen, Normal Man Andrew McGuire, Shebrew Sleeps, Mind Freak 555, this episode brought to you by the letter R, Saint <laughs> Gut Free, uh, and of course, there are, I'm sure, many others that did not get their names to me through the email address like I asked for, and I do apologize for that. I will make sure that they get their names said on every episode. It says, I got to find a weird way to collate that. No, that's great. That's awesome. That's awesome that you're shouting out people, and it's awesome that people are donating. That's so cool. That's uh, Let me tell you, great. man. Whew. Can I tell you how nervous I was to launch this thing? Tell me. This Patreon. I am... The only two things I'm afraid of are failure and success. <laughs> like, like the, the, the idea of like, because, you know, I, when I left Sideshow and I was like, well, I want to keep doing the show because I actually really like doing long form interview. Yeah, yeah. You're great at it, too. You're, uh, your interviews are great. Thank you. Um, problem being that I didn't know how to get that out there and still pay my bills. Right. Because this takes up a lot of time. Sure. You know, it's not just an hour of recording. Like, you you know. Yeah. But that so you, you got to research, you got to write. So I was trying to figure out what to do, and I finally was like, uh, and it was Adam Todd Brown. I was like, dude, just make a Patreon. So I did, and people came, and so far I'm blown away by it. Yeah, you know? I think it is. Uh, I think it is an idea that has gotten normalized really quickly. Is that like for stuff like podcasts and web videos and things of that nature, like you know the. Ad dollars are going to Conan O'Brien and The Office Ladies and True Crime yeah. and kind of, you know, smaller niche shows, you know, are not getting Million, the... mi- Millionaires are getting more money. Yes, millionaires and... are getting more money for uh, some low effort podcasts. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, no, no. So I think I think I think that idea has like trickled down to just your average listener, and they know that uh, you know we kind of work for tips in the podcast biz, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, like you tip your barista, tip your podcasters a couple of bucks. I underestimated the love that the fans had. Yeah, I think is the thing that I did, and that's more. It's not about them. This is about me. Sure, because I'm a I'm a I'm a. <laughs> You know how sometimes you're a d- sure. me all the time. But so it was really hard. So like the first day, and it wasn't crazy, but it was like 100 people right. in 24 hours signed up. And that to me, I was like, oh, I'm going to cry. Sure, triple digits. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cry about this. Because uh, that's a lot of people that were like, hey, we love you. Uh, now that being said, uh, speaking of podcasts, you have a really interesting thing going on, and I would like to talk about it with you. Yes. You created one of the, uh, voted one of the best podcasts of 2018, and this is Bubble, correct? Yes, it is. Uh, Bubble uh, is and was a scripted podcast I did with Maximum Fun, um, and it is a kind of a sci-fi comedy. Uh, the, The elevator pitch would be Search Party meets Guardians of the Galaxy, um, it's a bunch of these goofy that. hipsters uh, in a near future where everybody's trapped under these bubbles and they uh, are kind of tied to this murderous analog for the gig economy and uh, they have to kill monsters or survive. And uh, yeah, it's it was, a you know, kind of a, a crazy story and world. Um, 
and uh, Max Fun let me kind of realize it as a podcast with a bunch of other uh, uh, great writers uh, kicking in, and um, yeah, and and uh, we did that podcast, and it went uh, quite well, and then the folks at First Second uh, asked if we would adapt it into a graphic novel, and we did, and it's coming out on July 13th. Uh, mm-hmm. I co-wrote the script with uh, Sarah Morgan. Have you met Sarah? She's, I have not met um, Sarah. She's from the UK, but she uh, comes down here to uh, you know pitch shows and stuff every now to and write, then. Uh, write she's graphic part of novels. the TJ Andy Wood crew. Up, TJ Chambers, Andy Wood, two fantastic, fantastic, brilliant men. Uh, so she worked on the podcast uh, with me and then co-wrote the uh, kind of initial draft of the script that we then gave to artist Tony Cliff, who does the Delilah Dirk series. And then all three of us kind of uh, spit-shined it together. And uh, Tony drew it, the great artist Natalie Reese, who does the Dungeon Critters series. She did the colors. And uh, yeah, it's coming out July 13th, and it's got monsters and robots and swearing and sex jokes and gore and all the stuff that we like so yeah uh you sent me a preview copy yes i read uh a little i dipped my toes in and i'm going to tell you why i didn't read the whole thing is i want to get it oh nice and read it in my hands i I, Uh, that's how i like to read too i don't like to read copies of anything i'm an old man same i can't do kindle oh i can't do that i like digital comics like I, 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 I can't do digital comics. Yeah. It feels weird. Nope. And I'm an idiot for that. I know I'm stupid about that. Um, but that being said, I'm going to be pre-ordering this. Oh, uh, I mean, I would, because I've read the first like 10 or 15 pages of it yeah. and I like it. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Like I like what's happened already. I like the lore that you have built up and I'm not going to spoil that. Um, but if you, if you like sort of like that, like fast talking kind of sci-fi vibe, that people have, but gr- it's grounded. This works really well. Oh, thanks. That's really nice of you to say. Yeah, um, yeah. That was kind of that was kind of in the initial brainstorm phase, is to like have something that is you know has kind of like snappy jokes, you know, kind of hard joke writing, but you know is also like you know relatable with like characters that you kind of know from your everyday life. So that was believable kind of the... narrative fiction. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So um, yeah, no, thanks. That's uh, that's a nice compliment. I love that you were breaking down that you were writing a story. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you know, like you want to make it so that like there's like characters that you would like kind of like relate to and stuff. Sure, sure. And there's momentum and there's a beginning. We wanted a beginning and a middle and an end. Uh, Yeah. A big, big, uh, big conflict in the second act, maybe. Sure. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? They started. We wanted them to start in one place and end in another place. Yeah. Just describing storytelling. Everybody's learned something. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe we've learned a little bit about ourselves. Mm, it was the friends we made along the way. Um, so what, um, are you a movie theater guy? Yeah, I'm totally a movie theater guy. And uh, yeah, definitely reeling from the big local story that the Arclight theater chain is shutting down. Um, the- yeah, I, I, I'm excited to get back to the movies and like bummed that, you know, yeah, one of our nicer movie chains is shut down. Yeah, the arc for those of you that are not in LA, which I'm assuming is most people, the arc light is considered that's where you would go to the movies if you wanted to have a celebrity get in your way. Yeah. My first if time there, to... I saw Tarantino. Tarantino was there with me. My not first with time there, me, it, but he was in the <laughs> just on your arm like you guys were at the prom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For me it was Juliet Lewis. Nice. Okay. But she was with me. It was a date. We were married. 
That's, Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that would be nice. It, are you guys very, still friends? I know it didn't quite work out, but do you still talk? Turns out, this is weird, uh, she does not know who I am. That's really weird. Yeah, some, it's weird it, it how people weird change, thing. you know? There was one time where, uh, and through no fault of his own, because it's just getting stopped, I almost ran over Russell Brand like three times. Okay. We were, I was just like at a movie. In a and car? Like people kept stopping. Like we were, no, like I was, no, because I'm a big man. Yeah. And then he's not. Sure. And, and he would stop and like, I'm like, hey man, we got to, you know, I know that you're like, people see you and I know this is your life, but like, I'm not, I'm, right. I'm going to keep walking. You're like, I'm a juggernaut and you're a serve bot. <laughs> you're a serve bot. I just run him right over. Yeah. Nothing can stop the Jeffernaut. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm Jeffernaut, I've, bitch. If, uh... I've, I've had kind of a lot of accidentally almost plowing over celebrity stories. Okay. I almost I almost ran over Ricky Gervais. Wow. So uh, like and a lot of British comedy like, celebrities. Yes, that's fair. Like wry British comedian celebrities. This was at the Muppets, uh, the Muppets Most Wanted press junket. Okay. Uh, because spoiler alert, I used to be a mommy blogger. Interesting. I, okay. I used to work for Brooke Burke. I don't uh, think of you as a mommy type, but maybe that's my baggage that I'm bringing to this conversation. I was very appreciative of the gig. Of course. And the way the the editor was like, they were trying to look for somebody to do movie reviews from like a fun uncle vibe. Okay. I mean, and be, the, you got yeah, it. That's, like, I mean. But it's also one of those things where it's like, it's about time a straight white man got involved in the mommy blogging Exactly. Business. That's what this, yes, that's the voice that this is missing. <laughs> yeah. You know what's missing? A straight white guy at the mommy blog. Yeah. Um, and, and I got to, I got to, I, I got to go and interview a Muppet and blah, blah, blah. But I went to the, I'd gone to the restroom and then when I was leaving, you know, I was like coming out as he was coming in and it was sort of like that, like, it seems a lot faster because you're moving towards each other. And I swore to god like in the speed of which was happening i was like is he like 411 like funny. he felt so tiny to me and i was like that's dangerous because i almost ran him over and killed him so who do you want to run into next matt barry or eric yeah, idol uh, what other yeah, british me, comedy give me, celebrity give me give me give me somebody that could take it give me john cleese he seems like Ooh, a guy yeah. that can take a yeah take he can a, really take a hit he can really us. smash into cleese Right, he seems like he'd be like a like a linebacker of a of a comedian. Oh sure, yeah. You have crushed my ribs. <laughs> and would laugh. You know, he's he's yoked from doing those silly walks. Yeah, that's a, you know what I'm telling you, man. Those are big big leg muscles. Yeah, from doing absolutely. That. They strengthen your core. The silly walks. Are you a big British comedy fan? Yeah, I was a huge Python fan as a kid, yeah. and yeah, then like when I got into college, I was you know. Uh, I like had the office DVDs, you know, before they, uh, before anybody knew what they were. And then you had to get like a region three DVD player. Yeah, exactly. You know, like brass eye and stuff like that. Um, so yeah. And then I was the snob who's when the American office came on, I would say, Oh, the American office, because I wanted you to know that I had seen the British one. Um, yeah, I, I definitely, I do like, you know, uh, British comedy. Obviously, it's such a fun flavor, um, for sure. Yeah, there was somewhere I just couldn't get into it. That's reasonable. And I was like, oh, that's, I was like, oh, I don't get why that's funny. I think- They're like, no, it's because they want a shrubbery. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, but why? Maybe I'm like like. Do you ever do you ever feel dumb? Yeah. When you don't get something and you're like, no, no, no. Like I feel like I'm not getting it. I think that like, you know. I think British comedy, like 
Americans who are into British comedy will sometimes recommend shit that's not great because they want you to see how international they are, you know? Uh, so, so I think that, and, and I think, you know, sometimes some okay stuff gets like goodwill from Americans because they're like, that's my thing. I'm the British comedy fan and I studied yeah. abroad there. So I know, you know, I support Arsenal. It's like a, those American soccer fans. Yeah, they're, wear, they're wearing a, a, it's, I'm wearing a football scarf. It's, oh. And you're like, shut Oh, up. you mean, oh, shut American up. football? American football. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do, I think there's so much great British comedy, but I do think that Americans who've made it their thing to like British comedy can like ruin it for you sometimes. Yeah. So I, uh, I love, I think Eddie Izzard is an incredible talent. Yeah. I will say that. I was in Albuquerque. Uh, for a weekend doing a show and he was doing a bigger show uh-huh. a couple days ahead of time and so uh my friend was like we'll just go he my friend that runs a comic book convention down there was like i have access to this building yeah we'll just go so we went and i watched it and it wasn't particularly great it was very it was clever but it wasn't sure. funny yeah you know it was that kind of british thing where it's like very clever and you're like ah, i see what you did there yeah. but it wasn't particularly like funny and the people around me were losing their goddamn mind. Sure. And I was like, I feel like we're hearing different jokes. Right. Uh, to a point where, like, I'm watching this person that I have massive respect for, I think is incredibly talented, and I think is incredibly funny. But also, I was like, I'm not understanding why everybody's that into it at the time. And I feel like I, I like, missed, like, the bus of understanding why that was great. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, there's a lot of factors with that stuff. Yeah. I think that, you know, obviously there's some, like, performative laughter that people, you know, that, like, the NPR set can give. Um, but, yeah, but also there's, you know, I think there's a certain, like, there are some audiences who just see one comedy show a year. They have, like, one date night out where they get a sitter and they see the one comedy show, so it blows their mind. Um that's fair. And, yeah. And then I think, you know, obviously, like, sometimes we we see so many or so many more than your average person. But, um, but yeah, I think it's probably a, um, a melange of those reasons. Give me some of your favorite live performances you've seen in the comedy world. Oh, sure. I mean, uh, Cold Take, Maria Bamford. Uh, Maria I mean, Bamford. Uh, new hour every week. Yeah. All great. Innovative. Blows your mind. Yeah. You can't, you can't believe how she thought up thought it up um i was literally she was on the last show i was watching before i started recording the show with you oh wow really it was an episode of stand against evil oh nice yeah dana gould there you go uh, it would happened to be on and i i was like oh yeah and matt bronger oh great there you go awesome uh yeah another hilarious dude matt bronger's so funny just uh yeah uh funny funny warm he's he's like he's funny in the way that like your best friend that you grew up with is funny yeah you know uh, the last comedy show I saw, uh, before this all went down was George Wallace. I saw George Wallace oh, in Vegas so and, um, yeah, laughed like a maniac. That dude is so funny. Like, obviously he's the best at Twitter. Like, yeah, George Wallace is like a, a legend. He followed me on Twitter and I don't know why. Hey, okay. Time. That's it, a badge it, of honor. It knocked me on my ass. Sure. When it happened, I was like, how is this? Like, there are some people when they follow you and you're just like, that's not how this was supposed to go. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I don't know what, like Captain Crunch (laughs) followed me. That's pretty good. That's that's, that's also a feather in your cap. Um, Yeah. George Wall is so funny. And like, 
afterwards was just like selling like DVRs in the lobby and shaking everybody's hand who came up to him just like down to earth, but obviously, obviously probably not as famous as he should be, you know, like one of those legends that, that deserves more. Totally. I think from, from, from the average. Yeah. uh, Obviously he's like had a great career and I think is regarded as a legend, but also like this dude should be playing the Greek. He's that, he's that good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I saw, um, this is one of the best stand-up shows I ever saw was in like 2004 yeah. or 2005. It was Dane Cook. Okay, let's let's he unpack this. So, let's talk it out. He was just I think it was before it was before the shift of being like, "Oh, well, if I repeat things it works, so I'm just going to keep doing that bit right. instead." Yeah. But it was like in that early like cuz I've said this before on 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 Several podcasts. I think Harmful of Swallowed is a pretty flawless comedy album. Okay. Whatever happened with his career afterwards, for whatever reasons, notwithstanding, that album is fantastic. And I had gotten the pre- the the tickets as a gift, so I went, and it was so good. Yeah. Like <laughs> like a like to the point where you're like, all right, like I got him before he became the punchline. Right. Yeah where it was still riding that high and, and it was really enjoyable. Yeah. And yeah. Sometimes, you know, like fame turn, fame can turn people into like weird monsters and also their own punchline. But you know, those talented people start somewhere and they get talented, yeah. you know, they get noticed for a reason. I mean, isn't that kind of what people said about Leno as he was like, you know, he was one of the original alternative comics and then, you know, just became the Tonight Show hack. But like when he started, he was everyone's favorite anyway. Yeah. Well, I, that's it's always it's something to say, I think, to to admit a sort of against the grain that you liked something that people have turned on. Sure. When you're just like, I don't know, man, I liked that first Limp Bizkit album. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, and it's like you did, too. Shut up. A lot of hot takes on this episode. I'm telling you though, like the fa- when we start viewing our 2004 experiences through 2021 lenses, right. I don't think yeah. that's particularly fair. Of course, like you're like, no, no, I'm remembering what the experience was, and it was phenomenal. Yeah, and you don't see like where it's going or what that person or band or show or whatever will become, and yeah, and it's and, and right, and it's just I think it's good to remember that that stuff. You know, that stuff starts somewhere, you know, like yeah. it didn't it didn't start out famous corporate, you know, maybe it did. But um, but most stuff doesn't. But, the, you know, I mean, there there I say this a lot. There's no accounting for taste. Sure. And, you know, something that I find incredibly funny. Mm-hmm. Other people are like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, no, you see, it's funny because they're not white chicks, but they're <laughs> pretending to be white right. chicks. And everybody doesn't see it, even though as a viewer, we always see it. And that's why that's funny. Hmm. Because everybody there is pretend, like, in that world, they can't tell the difference, even though we can. And that is funny to me. And that, like, so I will will go to bat for something that is, like, that stupid. Because I'm like, I don't think you understand why I think this is funny. And I'm going to try to explain it again. And everyone's like, please stop. Please stop trying to explain why White Chicks is funny. (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, I said, this is, uh, this is, I I think, I think there's a little bit of a different opinion about it now, but, um, 
I, for a long time, was the guy who had to kind of grudgingly admit, I kind of like those Zack Snyder DC movies. I know that he's flipped some people with the Snyder cut. Um, Some people he has not um, flipped. But, um, yeah, I definitely always felt like I was kind of the odd man out on those conversations with people talking about how, you know, pretentious and grim they are. And I guess they are. They are pretentious and grim. But um, I guess I kind of like that flavor. See, I don't have a problem with anybody liking anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do sort of take umbrage when people are like harassing people yeah. or like voting yeah, movies down because they want this. The and and or one of the things that I always had a problem with was like when Affleck came out several times and was like, "This movie, being Batman, almost killed me." And now everyone's <laughs> like, "We want Batfleck movie," and I'm like, "Did you not hear the thing where he said he, he it almost killed him?" Maybe we don't. Right. There's not enough Dunkin' Donuts in the world that can bring yeah. Ben Affleck back from this depression. I need to bring... He's my favorite Batman in my least favorite movies, but he's like my favorite Batman. He's good at it. He's a good choice. He has a good take on it, I it's think. Yeah, I like him as Batman. I like him as Batman the, a lot. The Snyder movies, to me, every every time I saw them, was uh, they were viewed with a cautious optimism. Sure that uh, I sort of like that became deflated. Like I was waiting for my dad to pick me up after soccer practice. And he never and he just did. Never shows yeah. up. Uh, and I keep, I, I give too many chances to people that sure. <laughs> don't ultimately sure. deserve yeah. it, I guess. But I don't fault anybody for enjoying them. And I yeah. mean, remember I do a Batman podcast. You do. I've had to prefer, professionally watch these films <laughs> yes. like i've watched them for fun and i've also watched them for work yeah um, yeah we just wrapped the snyder cut yeah. we just did four episodes of the snyder cut nice an episode per hour we it was pretty much that yeah, is we the did. attention it, was, it deserves <laughs> we had uh maggie may fish okay she's uh, was great our first guest uh and then uh abe epperson uh from small beans did our second mm-hmm. part because he's like a big he's a director as well as uh, a guy in the comedy world yeah then we had chris uminga uh in our third who was my previous guest of this show um he's a huge he's a fan as well as being like an incredible talented artist right um, and you know, he's got, he has Batman, Superman statues Cool for, for DC. And then we had, um, David Bell who, uh, was, was sort of like the co-owner of Gamefully Unemployed and a big movie guy as well Nice to come in. And it was funny to see who liked what, yeah. um, from these, it, from this incredibly divisive film. It is a little bit of a Rorschach test. I think, I think you, yeah, you kind of see what you want to see. You know what I really wanted out of that? Hmm. I wanted, you know, the nightmare scenes, the ones in like the post-apocalyptic right, yes, future. Right, yes, the grim that's dark side the wins future. I want that movie. Yeah, I kind of want to see that, that movie too. That's the, and I'm going to say that, that's the only movie I want from Zack Snyder. Okay. Is that specific, not the like, this is the definitive, you know, Justice League movie. I want the bad, crazy Right. Off the rails. Batman tries to kill Superman with the help of the Joker. <laughs> yeah, like that's what I want. Yeah. I really do. And I do, and right. I was, you know, and I think I think we were talking earlier about kind of like obnoxious performative I like British stuff, Americans. And definitely I think there is such an element of like especially these days with Twitter and stuff, fans ruining something, you know, like fans being so obnoxious. And I think that like the Snyder cut people, you know, there was a pocket of them that were awful. And yeah. And I understand how it makes you not even want to like give 
any movie in that zone a shot because you don't want to like you don't want the trolls to feel like they've won, you know. Well, I I do think that the and I had said this when they first announced it. I said, "Well, look, I'm happy for him." Sure, yeah, he, he seems this, like a good guy. He gets guy. to work it out and blah blah blah. I'm not happy for the agency that this gives fans. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I don't. I don't believe fans should be allowed that level of agency sure. in pop culture because what that does is it removes the roller coaster ride version of fiction and turns it into like people they want to drive the car. Right. There is no the people. There yeah. are there are vocal groups. And there's always going to be somebody that's going to disagree with something. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I I, I hate to see what the what the next like fan, <laughs> yeah, fan uh, uh, mob project is. Um, yeah, what are they going to do? Yeah, like, I don't, what's it I don't be? know. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's get the uh, hashtag Booster Gold movie trending and just see how long. <laughs> let's do it. Actually, not a terrible idea. Now that I say it out loud. No, it'd be good. It's it, it the. I would say that when James Gunn got Guardians of the Galaxy and made it such a success, yeah. that provided the opportunity for us to go into more deep dive um, storylines and characters. I mean, how crazy is it? Uh, you know, as someone who has read Marvel Comics all their lives, how crazy is it that the world knows who Groot is now? Not only does the world know who Groot is, but they're they, he's on shirts. He's on shirts. There's little Groot dolls. The like, yeah, the most obscure comic booky Marvel thing is now, yeah, you know, as mainstream as it gets. It's it's insane. I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, and I think that does that 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 gives us that whole like, you know, now James Gunn was given the Suicide Squad, and he's going into like the weird, the he's going he's doing like the weird. I'm excited. I think and those trailers I, look I cool. I love that. I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. A lot of people think because I have sort of kind of negative statements about a lot of um, the DC stuff sure. that I'm like just going to hate everything they put out, and this is not the case. Yeah, you want to like, love I it. Love... You want to love it, right? It's Aquaman was a blast. Aquaman is really fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's stupid and fun, and I love that. I loved Shazam. Shazam is cool. Shazam was like on HBO round the clock over the holidays because it's kind of a Christmas movie, I think. And mm-hmm. I was glad to watch 20 minutes of Shazam in the middle of the day. T- it was yeah. really fun. Just a fun little thing. I really I liked Birds of Prey a lot. Yeah, Birds of Prey is neat, too. Um, I actually don't hate Suicide Squad. Because Suicide Squad kind of knows what it is. Yeah, it's 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 clearly like an editing mess, you know? It's yeah. like, it, you know, I think it was chopped up in the same way that the Joss Whedon Justice League was, and I think yeah. that's very apparent. But there's some cool stuff in it. Definitely it has, you know... You know it's, it's a dumb 80s movie. Yeah, it has that, and, yes. And it, it definitely it has knows a, what it is. a commando, time cop kind of yeah. vibe. Yeah. Like it, it knows what it is, and it's it's fine. Um, so what now? Real quick, because I've kept you for a bit longer than uh, I prefer, but why not? Who cares? Yeah, we're I hanging no, out. I have no, no boss. This is fun. Um, so what do you got coming out? We got Bubble. So what else should we be on the lookout for from you? Well, yeah, I'll just I'll I'll talk a little bit more about Bubble as you yes, I want to hear more about Bubble. As you mentioned, uh, you were nice enough to say that you were going to pre-order it. 
Um, and that's great because it is available for pre-order now. Um, and I think your listeners definitely know this when it comes to comics, how like important those pre-orders are. Um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, it helps shops know what books people are interested in. It helps publishers greenlight sequels, which we would like. Um, so or yeah, get optioned for stuff. Huh? And get optioned. Uh, well, that's uh, yeah, that's happening as well. But um, but yeah, definitely we wanna we wanna make more uh, we wanna make more of these books, and we want people to see this one. So if it sounds cool to you, um, yeah, definitely get out there uh, and call your local bookstore or comic book store, and it helps them out during this time. Even if you're not ordering uh, our book specifically, definitely like pre-order those books from those. Uh, from those shops because it uh, it really helps. So um, yeah, it's it's bubble. It's coming from first second, and uh, yeah, I, I I think you're gonna like it. Um, and also the podcast is out there if you kind of want a little sample of the uh, of the tone. Uh, it's on maximumfun.org. Uh, a bunch of great podcasts over there at maximumfun.org. Do it, everybody. Get to it. Get it. Listen to the podcast. Definitely get the comment. I did. You know, it's funny when uh, back when I was with Sideshow last year, they wanted to do these like with me videos. Yeah. They were really popular in, in around the summertime. And I, I submitted a support your local comic book shop with me mm-hmm. uh, thing. And they they uh, let me do one. And then uh, they 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 kind of passed. No. But it was just me like giving like suggestions on how to support local comic shops right. at a time when they were needed, as well as giving them ideas of a lot of books that you could order that mu- they might have in stock or things that they could special order for you. That's cool. Um, but I'm a huge, obviously, from the beginning of the podcast, I'm a big proponent of uh, of supporting local comic shops and independent comic book creators. So I'm really excited for you to have this coming out, and I will be pre-ordering. Ah, oh, shucks, thanks, man. That's it's really nice of you. And yeah, I, I think I think people will like it if you like if you like jokes, if you like gore, if you like monsters, uh, if you like robots. It's got it all. That's those are the only things I like. There you go. <laughs> if you so like, <laughs> if you like some combination of those four things. Yeah. Do you like gory monsters? Go for it. If you like jokey robots. <laughs> You know I do. Yeah, I, I bet. Really I kind of I, I could see that about you. Any other projects that you're not NDA'd on that you can um, tell people to check out? Other than, of course, um, Ned. Yeah, Earth to Ned. It's on Disney Plus, and uh, yeah, I do a chat podcast called uh, Jordan Jesse Go. That is also over there on the Maximum Fun Network, and uh, yeah, it's me and my buddy Jesse Thorne. He's from NPR, and we just kind of around every week with a special guest, and uh, we have a ton of fun. I love it. Yeah. I really love that. Good for you. Thank we you. We need to go get kicked on trivia when the world gets better. God, again. I can't wait. I would love to do trivia. I know. I'd love to do another selective one. Maybe we could uh, earn a little uh, street cred back. Um, just get. Yeah. I feel like it would just be us just getting like utterly humiliated again, and I'm okay with that. That would be nice. Like, I, I'm past that level of ego. Let's some, split some cold nachos. <laughs> Have a. Just go. Let's go to a shitty restaurant. Yes. Let's go like let's go to a like a bad bar that has like mediocre food. Yeah. Get destroyed while people are trying to watch a Steelers game. Love it. And we're just going to get wrecked by a bunch of nerds that have researched literally everything. No, nothing sounds like more fun than that, honestly. Um if you would like to follow Jordan on social media, you can find him on Twitter at Jordan underscore Morris. 
Uh, is that the same on Instagram? Uh, Jordan David Morris on Instagram. Uh, it's a new Instagram. I created one uh, maybe six months ago. I'm, I'm new to the gram. For the people. For the people. That's who I care about. Um, yes. I just want you yeah. to be able to slide into a different set of DMs. Uh, you know what? Who among us? Who among us uh, wouldn't want to do that? Yeah. So yeah, Jordan and David Morris and uh, Jordan underscore underscore Morris on Twitter. Check out Jordan Jesse Go on Max Fun as well as Bubble. Yeah, available on Max Fun, and you can pre-order Bubble. Is there a website or a way we can uh, make that, or do you just want people to go to their local comic shops? Yeah, I think if you go on, uh, you know, if your local comic shop has a website, you should be able to to, um, to type it in there. Um, give if you want to give them a call. It's Bubble. The publisher is First Second, uh, a division of Macmillan, and yeah, but also, uh, you know, it's. Uh, uh, it, you can find all the info to it in my uh, in my um, uh, my bios for social media. So if you want to go on, uh, it's in my Twitter bio and my Instagram bio. You can find all the pre-order info there. Um, yeah. Hell yeah, man! You can find me at Hey There Jeffro on both Twitter and Instagram. Don't bo- don't find me on Facebook. That's weird because I don't really use it. And then also that's for like my mom <laughs> and like racists I graduated with. You yeah. Know? Like, that's not something, I don't want, you know, we're not like Facebook friends, you know. Um, of course, you can check out uh, a lot of my other shows. You can check out uh, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network, as well as You Don't Even Like Sports, the sports podcast for people who don't like sports, and the Unpopular Opinion podcast. Both of those are available on Unpops. Uh, thank you all so much uh, for joining me. I am so happy that, Jordan, you could come and hang out with me. This was a blast, talk. man. Thank you so much. I'm, I miss you. Yeah, I miss you I sure too. Do. I was going to ask you, I had the movie question. I was going to be like, man, I don't know when you're going to get vaxxed up, but we got to go see a film. I am half vaxxed and uh, my second vax is is coming soon. So yeah, maybe like, like mid-May. Maybe let's go see that Bob Odenkirk movie if it's still in theaters. Man, I can't wait. Me too. I can't wait. Let's do it. Jordan, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, you man. are the best. And thank you all for listening. I appreciate you, whether you are a member of the Patreon, patreon.com slash Jeff May, or if you're listening for free because you're cheap. Uh, either way, I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Thank you all so much and have an absolutely fantastic day. Bye. <laughs>